Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 58 of the Fly, the W670 Podcast, Cubs Trade Deadline Shocker. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, on Facebook. You can also email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Thursday and happy Cubs offensive explosion. Yeah, you're just sitting here, and 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 last time you and I talked, we didn't know what was going to happen with the trade deadline. If it was going, they're going to make any big splashes, and we were definitely nervous about the Reds. You know, hoping to split, and what has happened and transpired over the last few days has been a Cub fan's dream here. Absolutely, dreams come true. Really great to see the offense doing what they're doing, and uh, a big part of that is the addition to the uh, Cubs lineup. Yeah, we're going to get there, but but we a familiar face has returned to the north side. Yes, a familiar face has returned to the north side. But, you know, funny you bring that up, Crowley. We, you would know the answer to this because you were lucky enough to be involved in the ring ceremonies after the Cubs got their World Series rings. You presented, remind everybody who you presented to. I presented to Miggy Montero. Miggy Montero, and what a, what a playoff he had. Do you think that uh, the newest Cub, former Cub, newest Cub, did he get a ring? Jaime Candelario did get a ring, so he did okay. get a World Series ring. So um, a real, a real ring, like the big dog ring. Uh, that would be my understanding. Yeah, okay. is that every everybody that was on that team was going to get it. So I don't think there's any difference between if anyone was on the 25 man roster or not. I'm not 100 percent positive okay. on that. But you but know he did he- get. A- you get ring. some sort of a ring. Very, very, very cool. And he is very happy to be back. And if you're a fan of the Cubs or if you're a part of the Cubs, you are happy to have him. That's for sure. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it was, you know, there, there was one little uh, bad hiccup that kind of happened here. And that was in game one, Marcus Stroman versus Andrew Abbott. Uh, we were hoping for a strong start for Stroman, but we didn't get, he went three innings and gave up six runs on six hits with two K's and two walks. According to Jesse Rogers, that was Stroh's third consecutive game of allowing at least five runs, the longest streak in his career. And Dustin, over the last seven starts, he's given up a total of 30 earned runs in 30 innings. But as we would find out later, and as I thought, Stroman did go on the IL. 
Yes, he did go on the IL. So I guess the the good news is is that now we know you know what's going on. You know why he was dealing with what he was dealing with. Hopefully, he said it that it will only be one start. Took a cortisone shot in the hip. Um, we'll have to see what happens. But uh, Tommy Hadovy kind of led on that there was something that they were dealing with. They were trying to get him right physically, is what he said in between the starts. That so there was something physically wrong with him. He was overcompensating. Um, I wonder. If it was him, I wonder if it was the Cubs pushing him to get to at least through the trade deadline until we took a day off because maybe they were going to trade him. Maybe they weren't. And maybe they felt, and we didn't get this question to Tommy Hadovy, maybe they felt a 70% Stroman was better than a 100% Assad or a 100% Wesneski at this point. Right. And, and, and you know, Tommy Hadovy comes on Mullion Hall Wednesdays, right? And, yes. uh, when we kind of look at every this, other Wednesday, yep. every other Wednesday, when I was looking at it, I could see that something was wrong with the slider. And, and it, a lot of this now makes sense, but you mentioned Assad, And the good news is that Assad kept the Cubs in it by throwing 3.2 innings. He gave yes. no runs, one hit. He struck out four. He walked three, but that was good to see. And then Daniel Palencia pitched 1.1 innings, a shutout ball and Mark Leiter went one inning. So it kept the Cubs in it. And, you know, I was nervous about Andrew Abbott. He's been a, a rookie who's been having a really great year pitching well. But the Cubs were able to tag him for four runs on five hits, and he only went 3.1 innings. Uh, Dansby hit a home run in the second to make it 3-1, to one, and the Cubs scored three in the third to make it a 6-4 game with uh, Saya and Happ hitting sack flies and Jan Gomes hitting an RBI single. And in the eighth inning, Jan Gomes hit a one-out double and Morell double to make it 6-5. to five. But Talkman struck out, Magical grounded out. The offense scored five runs on eight hits, but they left seven on base, went two for 11 with runners in scoring position. But Never a good stat, Crowley. That stat is, you know, we're, we're, we're big wrispy guys. We are, we, we hit that stat. It seems like each and every podcast, but you're not going to win very often when you go two for 11 with runners in scoring position. It doesn't help, but what, what impressed me was the fact that they were able to hit Abbott so well and they were continuing to fight all the way at the end. And I thought that that was going to pay good dividends in this game too. Right, absolutely. I mean, this is a this is a try hard bunch. This is a never give up bunch. They could have easily turtled, walked away in this one, uh, especially because of the outing that their big dog, right, that uh, um, that he had. He did not he did not pitch. He did not step up like we had all hoped, Marcus Stroman. So they could have easily turtled, and they did not. Right, and 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 all of a sudden, you know, you got your your second best pitcher, supposedly Justin Steele going up against Ben Lively. And I went to the game on Tuesday, hoping to bring the Cubs some luck. I wanted to see the debut of Jaime Candelario, the return of Jaime Candelario. But Dustin, I had no idea I would be witnessing history. <laughs> history. History. We sound like Hawk Harrelson. History. Yes, you the did. I mean, we have franchise <laughs> history. We got Major League Baseball records going down. I mean, just all kinds of things happening over at Wrigley Field. The Cubs scored 20 runs on 20 hits with seven home runs that tied seven. a franchise seven home runs. Rever, record 1977. I was one years old when they were even that close, but I'm looking at this Dansby Swanson hit two. Bellinger, Talkman, Horner, wisdom. Am I all hit homers? I mean, literally you couldn't even like go anywhere, like to go to the bathroom or get a beer without hearing whoop. There it is over the loudspeakers. Right. Every time they miss something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it was nonstop. Talkman was two for three with four RBIs and, 
Uh, Horner was three for six. Bellinger three for six with three RBI. Swanson was two for four with five RBIs. And in his first game back with the Cubs, Jaime Candelario was four for five. And boy, did I feel bad for poor Ben Lively, who was forced to wear this, this one. Cubs oh, scored yeah. 13 runs off this kid. He became the first pitcher to allow 13 runs in a game versus the Cubs since St. Louis's Bill Sherdell did so on June 25th, 1918, Dustin. I'm always impressed with those records, Crowley. I mean, who keeps track of this stuff? 1918. I mean, it's crazy. That's Cubs historian Ed Hardig. He's the man. He's the man, that's for sure. Justin Steele had a pretty easy go of it because he got staked to a pretty nice lead later on in the game. Right. Well, he he was up five nothing after one inning, and so you know he was able to kind of just do Justin Steele things. He went six innings. He gave up five runs, four earned, nine hits. He struck out six and only walked one, but he gave up a two-run homer to Tyler Stevenson. So, you know, it's one of those games where I mean, I doubt that he's that you know pumped up as far as adrenaline and stuff like that, just because it's kind of like you know this game's just way over. You know what I mean? Right, and going into that game, they made an adjustment on a play that we talked quite a bit about, the error, right, the error at shortstop that uh, um, went, uh, they changed it to an error instead of a double. So Justin Steele going into that game had the lowest ERA in the National League, maybe all of baseball. Um, didn't come out of it that way, but very interesting that they made that, uh, they made that switch. I, w- well, I wonder if, if somebody, if they wanted to appeal it or something through MLB, I wonder what happens because that, yeah. that is kind of late. And it took quite a while, right? I mean, yeah. that was that was a, that was a long time. All right, so that wraps up game number two—an absolute offensive explosion. Just had to be a special, special night for you at Wrigley. Yeah, we had a lot of fun, and it was like I said—I was actually at the game, the postseason game against the Cardinals, where they hit six home runs. Okay, it's just—it's something that you just never expect to see. It's just the ball, and it wasn't like the wind was howling at twenty miles an hour out or anything like that. I would—I didn't walk up and look at the flags and go, "Uh-oh, pound the over" or anything like that. But Jesus, right. it was something else. Yeah. All right. Game number three, Drew Smiley gets his uh, assignment back as an actual starter instead of coming in in relief in the second or third inning. And he was taking on uh, Brandon Williamson. Yeah, the Cubs are going to win this one, but Drew Smiley just still didn't look impressive. He went 4.2 innings. He gave up five runs on six hits. Now he struck out seven, walked zero batters, which is good. But he also gave up three home runs in 4.2 innings, two of them to Joey Votto, the ghost of Joey Votto. But the ghost of Joey Votto. I didn't think he hit home runs, Crowley. Oh, my God. It sure looked like it that night. But but we need Smiley to figure, figure it out. But again, the bullpen only gave up one run in four innings. That bullpen is really starting to come together. And it, in, it also included the debut of Jose Quas, who is someone that they picked up in the trade deadline. And just the offense can, you know, gave Smiley that leash. Yeah, back and forth game, no doubt about it. Cubs uh, uh, taking care of it, fifth and sixth inning, and it was all Cubs after that. That was yeah. uh, that was a lot. That was a lot of fun. I did not. I, I had high hopes that they could win that game because the good the good vibes after uh, game number two that you were at. But I, I did not see sixteen runs coming. That's for sure. Do, do, do you ever sit there sometimes and you say to yourself, "Man, you know that's." Uh, you know, oh, save some for the next day, right? Oh, you know, all the time. And, I said that and, after game two. <laughs> and you're looking at it. They're down five to two in the fourth. They score one run in the fourth, two in the fifth, five in the sixth, four in the seventh, and two in the eighth. Hap hits two home runs. Morrell, Swanson, Suzuki each hit one. Uh, Morrell was two for five with three RBIs. Hap two for four with two RBIs and the two homers. Suzuki two for five with two RBIs. And Candelario four for four. So in two games, this guy was what? He was eight for nine. Eight for nine, hitting over, what, 800? Um, so it didn't matter who they gave up. 
if he continues on that pace, they could have given up the entire farm system. It would have been well worth it. All right, 16 tr- runs, Dustin, right. on 16 hits. And you, you have to take a look at it. The Cubs have scored 36 runs in the last two games, 20 on Tuesday, 16 on Wednesday. That's the most in a two-game span since 1897, right? So it's it's – it's just absolutely unbelievable. The first time the Cubs have scored at least 16 runs in back-to-back games since 1894. Again, hat tip to Ed Hardig. And as we record this on Thursday night, Jamison Tyone is going up against Luke Weaver, who is the worst of all the pitchers that we've seen so far in, in this four-game series with a massive 680 ERA. And the thing to keep in your mind tonight, Dustin, is that none of the Reds pitchers, their starters, have gotten out of the fourth inning. So that right. bullpen is taxed. It's so taxed. It's absolutely taxed. It's a great point by you, Crowley. Absolute great point. Um, well, see what happens. But the bottom line is the Cubs offense is no longer broke, and they're doing this against the first-place team in the division. Now, the division is crap. Nobody's going to argue that. But, you know, you can only beat and you can only face off against the team that's on your schedule that day. Um, we're going to talk later about the Atlanta Braves coming to town. But right now, they are putting their best foot forward against those Reds. Yeah, they're they're 12-3 and three in their last 15 games since July 18th. On July 20th, they were seven games out of a wild card spot and eight by five, 8.5 games back of the division lead. Dustin going in tonight, 2.5 out of a wild card and three games back from Cincinnati. I mean, the Cubs are just doing it, and Jed Hoyer decided to reward that faith in the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. We'll uh, obviously recap what happens on Thursday night with you guys later this week. But uh, good news is the Cubs offense is alive and well, and they were buyers and not sellers at the trade deadline.